Hi and welcome to another episode of Sharings with Shama. Today it's Thursday, we are a couple of weeks in to the corona crisis and uh, I want to share first of all, I want to share with you how it is how it is inside of me today, how how it is to be Swedish and my thoughts around this. Um, it's not the topic of the episode, but I think that we will remember, you know, when we go back in time, when we go back a few years, <laughs> we're going to, you know, see things and notice things and hear people talk about, you know, how it was back then and as you all know I live in Sweden we are a very very truly very very privileged country I think there is no other country I would rather be in than to be in Sweden right now I'm just gonna raise the volume a little don't know if it works okay um Every time I come with a plane, you know, a touchdown in Sweden, I always feel home. I always feel blessed. I always feel so much gratitude. There used to be a time when I felt Sweden was boring. It was so mainstream. It was too small. And, you know, there was no adventure here. And I didn't appreciate Sweden at all. I never spent a vacation here. We had a beautiful summer house by the sea. I always took my kids, you know, traveling. Uh, we often went to Greece, for example, uh, island hopping. And um, yeah, I kind of escaped Sweden, especially in the summer. And now the last years I've been traveling a lot and... Every time I come back, I feel so much gratitude for being Swedish. This is my home. And I love when you come to Orlando Airport and there are like all all people, you know, it's famous people and it's less famous people, it's ordinary people, it's the king and the queen and, you know, it's inventors and artists and everyone says, welcome to my hometown. And there is a picture of that person, the face of that person. And I always feel like, welcome to my hometown. And I, they welcome me home and I, I'm here. And I came from Costa Rica, I would say just just the days before we, we knew Corona was in Sweden and that it was an issue. I know I passed uh, New York and there were no signs. There were nothing warning us about Corona at the airport. And um, so I would say I just touched down a few days before it hit us. And I'm so grateful that I am in Sweden. I think that what what we used to, what I used to feel before, that we were kind of, you know, not so engaged, we were never patriotic, we never had like strong emotions, we were always like uh, afraid of conflict and didn't get involved and and Swedish people are super polite and uh, we never say what we, what we think or mean or we always avoid, you know, and we are very, yeah 
trying to not make a fuss. And now I feel I am so proud to be Swedish in this. I feel that our government, the authorities, they're really doing such a good job keeping us calm, no panic, you know, trying the best in every angle. How can we from every angle do the best for our country and our citizens? And they have given us, you know, the privilege of freedom if we act as responsible citizens. And I feel like, okay, they trust us. I feel for the first time in my 52-year-old life, I feel held by my country. You know, I feel at one with my country. I feel like this, my fellow citizens, you know, we are together in this. And I feel, I really feel... I feel proud, I feel calm, I feel safe, how you can feel safe in this situation, but I do. And and I think it's, it's, you know, this is the best gift they can give us, that is like being a child, that if you behave, you know, if you, if you respect our boundaries, you, in return, you will have freedom. You will have freedom and responsibilities, you know. And I think I'm really, it's going to be so interesting to follow this, how how the Swedish, what shall I say, model, if it's going to work out, that they are giving us the responsibility to act carefully, you know, to be cautious and caring and loving with each other and to support, you know, the companies, the, the, the work Uh, situation, the financial situation, to take everything into account and including the health of the people. It's really like to, to not cut school for the young kids because they need it, you know, they need the stimulation, they need to meet their peers, you know, they, they need to be interact with other other friends and so on. And the elder, you know, the kids, 16 years plus, they can study online. They can take that responsibility and they're going to manage. And I feel that it's so, I, I really lo- love the way that it's working, going so far. And I, I hope I'm not going to record a podcast next week about the disaster, you know, a backlash, but... Okay, so that's the first I want to share about. And then now I'm coming to this week's topic. And that is how to let go of your children. And I assume that the person who asked this question mean, I mean, to let go of your kids. There are so many layers in this. And there's also like, do you have one child or do you have five, you know? Uh, if you have many, it's not such a big, big, big thing if a few of them move out, for example. If you have only one and that child begins to do drugs, you know, and and kind of ends up somewhere on the street and you have to give up that child, that's a completely different situation. And I, I feel like there are so many layers in this. There are so many different situations. There are so many different families 
you know, are you a single mom or are you in family with where the kids have siblings and you have your mom and dad? And there are so many different constellations that is making this really, you know, different for every situation. So we have the constellation of the family, which of course is going to matter. And we also have the, what shall I say, the the personality. Uh, Who is your child? Who are you? How do you mother or father your child? How were you mothered or fathered? What role models do you have? How, you know, strong are you in your uh, control? Are you holding your kid in like uh, with an iron fist or... Is your child free to to roam around? You know, what's the upbringing like? And there's so many factors coming in, you know, that I think that that letting go of a child is going to be different from every human being. So I'm going to do as I normally do. I'm going to go to my story and how I've had it and see what experience and eventual wisdom there is in this and I know that when my first child moved away from home and that was Rachel and she was 20 um, she went you know she finished high school and then she went traveling but she still stayed with me had her room and everything and then she came back and then she started, uh, began to study. So she moved to a town, uh, my birth town, my hometown, uh, like 70 kilometers from Stockholm. So it's just less than an hour away. And she moved there to a small apartment. And I was in the middle of, you know, having two, two younger kids. They were like eight and 11 or something. And her brother was still in high school. And so I still have, I had a full house, even if she left. But I remember, I remember the separation that we encountered back then. It was when she was moving, we always had, uh, um, we always watched movies together, Rachel and I. And I had a bunch of favorites. It was like Love Actually, Notting Hill, Terms of Endearment, Steel Magnolias, and and it was like a fifth one I can't remember. Um, yeah, for for uh, weddings and a funeral, of course. And those movies we always, you know, watched, and they were on repeat um, for for her and me and. Uh, when she was moving and we packed her, you know, she had packed her boxes and then I'm going to close the box and then I see all my, the five movies are there. And I'm like, hey, Rachel, those are my favorite movies. And she's like, no, mom, they're my movies. And I said, Rachel, actually, they are my movies. I mean, one or two of them I actually got before, not even before you even watched that kind of movies. And she's like, no, mom, there's, those are my movies. And we got into a fight over five DVDs, you know. And I think that was like a separation thing. And when Rachel came home, after she moved out, she came home and she always went into my wardrobe 
and she picked out all my clothes and I came home from work and there were like clothes everywhere. So whenever she came to visit, she kind of raided my wardrobe and uh, in a very like disrespectful way. And then she, because it was something like this moving out, it was painful. And I remember it was painful in a way that none of us was aware of. It was just like, okay, she's moving and okay. And and that was that. So, and then the other kid, I kind of had to let go of. This is much, this is a totally different story. And um, and I have I have four kids and, and one of them had a really troublesome um, teenage start. And... Uh, yeah, a long story short, uh, there were times when she didn't want to live and um, I had to kind of uh, be be on a watch to always, always, you know, take the bike or the car and go find her somewhere, anywhere. She could be anywhere in Stockholm and uh, there were a few times when, when she ended up in a police car on the way to the psychiatric, you know, emergency or, you know, there was a time when she, she jumped out of a window and I, I just knew in my gut that she's going to harm herself. And I, I went on the bike and I, after five minutes, I panicked and I called the police and I said, you need to find my, my child. And, and they said, how long has she been missing? I said, she's been missing 10 minutes maximum and they say okay we start looking for people after 24 hours and I and I just screamed at them and I said you come look for my child now and and they they heard me and realized that okay this mom is serious and at that point I was standing at at the bridge watching down into the dark water screaming to the police and and they actually put out the you know what do you say when you when you seek someone, you know, on the intercom, you know, in the whole taxi network, in the whole metro network and, and all the police cars, uh, you know, they got this alarm looking for this little, little skinny girl. And after a couple of hours, you know, two policemen came home to us and after a couple of hours, they got a call and uh, they told you know, went into my bedroom and and spoke very, you know, quiet voice and um, and came out and then they said that you were right uh, and she's on her way to the hospital right now and okay this is this is many years ago and and we went of course we went they asked if 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 me and my husband, if we wanted to go in their car, police car to the hospital, take our own. And we took our own car and we went there and, um, and, um, yeah, I remember this situation, you know, to, to realize that it's happening now, it's really happening. And, and to be in the car driving to the hospital and, you know, hearing the police Men saying she is okay, she is okay, she's alive, she is okay, and still not knowing what to expect when we get there, and uh, 
And after that, of course, there was a period, you know, for at least a year where I, you know, that I always had to be on alert. I I slept really, really bad. I, you know, this, I wanted to limit her freedom. I couldn't. And I began to have like a, yeah, I was, you know, uh, sleeping with one eye open all the time. And eventually at one point I I went to see a, a, a therapist and and she went to see a therapist also, which I'm super, super grateful for, and uh, that she accepted that. We learned a lot of things. We learned how to negotiate. The therapist that she, she met was brilliant. She said, like, there's nothing wrong with your child. She's magnificent. She has an extremely strong will, and she's going to get her will. So you got to learn how to negotiate with this child. And and we did. So when she was 13, I took her to, like, festivals. And, you know, we, she, she wanted to go to a festival in the middle of Sweden to see The Cure, and I went there, took her and a friend, and, and they stood, you know, at the front. They were at the very, very front of the stage. And she was only 13. And if she did that, if I did that for her, she would stop harming herself. And she she kept that. So we kind of negotiated back and forth about so many different things. Her, It felt like my whole life in a, in a few years was like negotiation. Uh, if I give you this, what do you, do I get in return, you know? And everything was about keeping her safe, you know? And I learned at that time that there's one thing I can't do, and that is I can't keep her alive. And to realize that, I think that is the... Uh, I feel I get super sad when I speak about this, but I I feel like I've heard, I have, you know, I've heard, I have a friend whose child was a drug addict. And to come to that point when you have to give up a child, that you realize I can't save him or her, I can't rescue him or her, you know, and... To actually let that sink in, I think that is that is probably the the maximum of giving up, letting go of a child that you can do. And so I did that. And I think that by doing this, I did that together with this therapist, and I cried so hard. And I think that by doing this, by just realizing I can't keep her alive, I can't save her, you know, and she's the most stubborn, beautiful person I know, and to to just realize that I can't live her life kind of made me relax. And I stepped off the 24-7 watch and... uh, I think everything relaxed at that point. And eventually things turned to the better and uh, and we came through that period of time. And uh, so that was like my my second letting go of a child. 
what did I learn? What I learned during that period was that, you know, I can only do my best. I can only love as much as I can. I can only, you know, uh, I I think one thing with this child was that I had a lot of guilt. I think that if you have a lot of guilt in combination to a child, that you feel guilty for something, that you've done, done something. And I know um, I know her dad left her when she was tiny, super tiny. And uh, I blame myself for that. And I think I took on, you know, I really took on too much. It was like I was carrying her life in my hands until this very moment when I just had to let go and say, I can't you know, live her life, I can't save her, I can't, you know, if if she doesn't want to, it's it's not in within my hands, I have to let go, you know, I have to let go and let God, and by that time, I did not believe in God, so it was not easy, I must say that is one of the hardest things, and thank God that she's still here, and... Uh, She's such a beautiful, amazing, amazing person. And I would say that I'm blessed for every moment, every day, every second that I get to spend with her. And I know it's not mine, you know. I know it's not mine. She's hers, you know. And that is, uh, that is also a realization that she is her own. She's not mine. So I think that that is the first time when I come to the point to realize that my children are not my children. I don't own them. I can't live for them. I can't carry them for the rest of their lives. Um, I can care for them, but I can't, you know, live their life. I can't save them unless they want to, you know, live. And um, so that was a really, really tough, tough period in in our life um the next letting go phase is actually my son and um and as as this this is i don't know this is like everything with him is so easy always been so easy he had really really difficult i have a theory that you have uh, every child has an amount of trouble in them, you know, that they have to live out at one point during their childhood. And my son, he had a really, really difficult first, like, five months. He was super, super big when he was born. He got stuck. They had to push him out. He was very, very uh, harmed, you know. He was very uh, kind of beaten when he got out, so he was not the happiest baby, he was so fat, which means that he was super, super hungry, and it took four months before anyone realized that he was malnourished, you know, he didn't get enough food, and uh, during these this four or five months, he, he screamed a lot, a lot, a lot, and it was really, really so, so sad. And I carried him a lot and we really like, he was super sweet and cuddly and and when he was like five months, he got uh, formula, like the, the powder for eight months 
old babies and then he got happy. So he changed. Like once he was full, once I stopped breastfeeding him, uh, he got happy. And he it was so difficult uh, those four or five months. But after that, he's been more or less a pure joy. And uh, him moving, he moved also when he finished high school, he moved to the States um, to study music. He moved to Los Angeles and uh, he stayed there for nine years, which is, um, it's a long time. And the first years I visited him, um, once a year, like uh, I think I was in Los Angeles three times the first three years. And then I, I didn't visit, visit him. And he came home once per year, uh, rarely twice. So we met like once or twice yearly for nine years, um, which seems, how can you even continue relating with someone when you have it like this, you know? But but that is the thing. I, I have three girls and I have one son and I can see that it's a big, big difference for me, in our family constellation, the way he is, his personality, and the way our relationship is, and it, it's it's much easier, always been much, much easier than with the girls, which means that the separation was also easier. The separation with him was very, you know, I cried a lot. I missed him a lot in the beginning, but it was okay. You know, him moving, it was okay. And uh, him coming home was okay. And then he left again, where I went there. And and it was like, so letting go of him was most likely the easiest. Because there were, there were never any hard feelings. There were never any, you know, issues. There were never any guilt or blame. There was nothing emotional attached to it. And uh, I think we both felt very safe, you know, in our, uh, in our bond. And uh, so that's my f- third letting go of a child, totally undramatic. And then we have, we come to a period that is, um, that is uh, the biggest learning, I think, and that is five years ago when I tried to commit suicide. And as a result of that, my children separated from me, you know. They got, um, yeah, they felt, I think that they felt a lot. It was a lot of emotions. And I can't, I can't say how it is to be on their side, Um but they really felt like I think what, what I think or what I've heard or what I've learned in therapy is that, you know, that I am the one the one person that they that rely on. And if I go and do that, if I then fuck you, if you're going to leave us, then you can be on your own. And that is not an I don't think it's an aware thought that is well what, what I learned in therapy that that I was so important to them and if they couldn't rely on me then I could just you know they 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 couldn't trust me 
So they decided to not have, you know, that worry in their lives. So I lost all of them, more or less, during a time. It was different times, different periods, but more or less for at least a year, they were off and I had to be on my own. And I think that is like, I got pregnant when I was 20. I never had an adult life without children, without, you know, caring, loving, all the responsibilities and all the joy and, you know, the family situation. I never had that. And five years ago, when I was 47, all of a sudden, you know, 17, no, 27 years later, 27 years later, I'm on my own. And that was really, really important. It was an important time for me to realize that I am okay. I I was definitely not okay in the beginning. Hell no. I was like, who am I if I'm not the mother of these four children, suicide or not, you know? Who am I if I don't have them as my little tagalongs? Who am I if I can't, you know, connect, reach out, hang with them? Who am I? And I was totally lost in the beginning, totally, totally lost. And I tried different ways, you know, I went to, um, I I took a, a... a course to become a holistic therapist and I I explored a lot I traveled a lot with friends I got to learn you know I met new friends and I connected and I I did a lot of self exploration and most likely a lot of healing too and I had a lot of fun too and just this to have fun without my children and to not even you know need to care because they didn't want to be with me so what shall I do and I think this like in the beginning the desperation to make it okay again I need to make it okay again I need to make it okay again and just wait for someone to call me someone to come back to me and and to let that eventually go that expectation or that hope and just you know take it one day at a time and and just realize that this is out of my control, you know. I I can just be. And so I think that was an important time for me to to get to know myself and to, to make new friends, to make friends. Because this is also a thing. If you have four kids, you you kind of are interacting with them all the time. And there is a, a certain amount of safety in a family. You know, when you come home and there are always children at home, uh, different ages, and there's always stuff happening and you have to care. You know, there's a lot of care needed all the time. You are needed all the time. And all of a sudden, I was not needed anywhere. You know, I was totally burnt out. Also, I couldn't work, so I wasn't needed anywhere. And to have a period of that and to realize that, okay, if you if you lose everything... You know, I I lost my husband, I almost lost my life, I lost my children, I, you know, my sanity was not there. And, and then you realize I'm still alive. I'm still me, who, who, who I, am I? And, 
And I think this, to, to let go of your children when you're not mentally stable, when you're not help, healthy, when you're not grounded, when you're not okay, I think that is really, really hard because you're so codependent. I mean, I was codependent to everyone. Up to that point, I was codependent with everyone I related to. If it was my friends, I didn't dare to say what I thought or felt all the time. If it was to my husband, I just, you know, wanted him to be happy always. Um, if it was to my kids... The, the thought of them leaving me and not wanting to be with me, especially when you're separated and when you have four children with three different men and there's always like a struggle with the men, uh, the father's not supporting you or and there's always like, but you always have, I always had that, okay, so, but I have the kids, you know, I won, I won the, the kids lottery Okay, they didn't get to pay need to pay any child support. Okay, they remarried with a younger wife or whatever, you know, they are super rich or whatever. But I have the kids. For me that that was like I won the kids lottery. And then it turned out I didn't. I'm like, it's so easy. Like snap and they're gone. And and the, and the dads, they are still like, you know, they're still there, present in their lives. They never cut off their father. Never. None of my kids ever cut off their father. One father has cut off kids. Two of them has actually done that. But, but my kids never, you know, cut off their fathers. But I, I get this at times. And I think at every time I kind of am faced with a separation and... And I think also this is the codependency that I have, um, that I'm really working on letting go of. It means that I need to take more responsibility for my own, you know, health, my own well-being. What do I need? What do I want? You know, is this good for me, bad for me? And I feel like I had such a fear to say to the children, actually, I can't pay for that. I can't afford it at the moment. Or no, we can't go to that place because I don't have the time. Or no, I don't want to do that. I don't think that is fun. I had such a hard time to say no. And I <clears throat> can see now that when I say no... When I say no, it's not comfortable and there's always a reaction. And I feel that there is a big fear of losing my children if I make myself priority. And I think many of you can resonate, you know, feel, feel it that, that we put the children first. And by doing so, we put ourselves second which means that we are making decisions most often that are not super healthy because we can't put someone else before us in that sense that other people's well-being are more important than ours. Um, and we can't build our you know, life on other people. And, and when you lose people, and when you lose people, and you lose people over and over and over again, if it's you know, parents, or if it's um, partners, or if it's uh, children, or if it's friends, and you lose people, 
then you begin to realize that you never had them in the first place. You know, they're not yours. They're not yours to keep. And nothing is for life. You think you marry someone, it's for life. And eventually uh, it ends. Not until your, your dad dies, you know, you think you're going to lose him. And I, just, I know that none of my people... And it doesn't matter if it's friends or if it's a love affair, you know, or if it's my children. I don't own them and they're not forever for me to keep. It's not my property. And I think that just by realizing that, that they're not mine, they're free being, they're free spirits, they can choose to do whatever they want and everything is not within my control and everything is not my blame either i think that this is the hardest part that that the separation that i encounter these days with my children is often in a situation of guilt and blame and before i always felt like i need to make it right i need to make amends i need to fix everything and now these days i feel like I need to be here for me. I am the only one on my side. And I can't give up myself, you know, because I, there's only one thing I know. I never have to let go of me. So letting go of myself is not, it's not a thing. I'm going to be with myself for the rest of my life. So I have to practice letting go of my children. And at points, at times... A separation happens because we disagree or we um, feel some, yeah, some, someone did something wrong and that person needs to be, you know, pay for it or be punished or should make amends or, or I just need a break from you or whatever, you know. And what used to make me so sad, unstable, totally devastated before, now I see everything is not in my control and everything is not meant to be fixed all the time, you know. Letting go also means that you kind of give each other freedom. You, you, you kind of, you, you, sit, you stick together with like a rubber band and eventually it has to kind of break. It has to, you know, you, you have to float free you have to walk on your own feet and know that you manage and that your kids manage without you too because they're not going to have you forever this is also a fact it's not just about letting go of children our kids are not going to have us forever eventually we're going to die and i think this is also what separation you know what the letting go is about we need to practice this dying part a little you know we need to feel that this is the pain of separation okay what is this person worth to me how much do I value this person and do I value this person for she being my my daughter or she being my mother or do I value this person because of the person the human being he or she is and Am I grateful to have been, you know, given the um, 
being fortunate enough to spend time with this person, have this person in my life, and do I need to cling to that? Do I need to hold on to that? Or is this also a person, you know, that is free, free to go and to, to make his or her own decisions? And, and what happens to me when that person leaves? This is what I find, this is the most interesting, that letting go of your children does something to you. There's a lot of emotions that comes up with this because we feel like I I've been thinking that you know I have lived according to this that if my kids are okay I'm okay if they turn out well you know if they are good people I am a good person I did a good job you know I've been valuing myself according to my children as if I don't have a value without them as if I'm nobody without them, that my life purpose was to be their mom. And now I realize that they can just say, bye mom, see you in two years. Or they can just go without saying bye mom. Or they can stay and live with me until they're 25. You know, I have absolutely no manuscript about this. And all this thinking that I should do things differently than my mom did and I moved away from home when I was 17 and I don't even know how it went that way but I did and in a way my mom and I we always had a difficult relationship but we always stuck together somehow we never separated in a fuck you, I'm not going to see you, I need a break or whatever. You know, we always were together, but we were not like the most loving, caring, you know, caring. It was always caring. It was always caring. She supported me a lot, especially with my children. And uh, and I've supported her when she needed. So we, we've always been, in, you know, in close relationship with each other but still very separate. And, and I, I feel like that this realization how much you miss your parents when they die, I, that, that realization, it comes so late. You know, to me, it comes so late. Um, my dad, he died when he was 52. I was 18. Um, his wife, Marianne, my stepmom, she died 2004. That was also far too early because we were not finished, I felt. But but her, I really got time to appreciate her a lot. And mom, I miss her so much, you know. I, I, I miss her more now when she's dead than what I missed her when she was alive. And I, I feel that, yeah, maybe that is often so. I don't know. And I think we have a dream, dream, dream that my children, we will have a better relationship. We will have it, you know, we will be super close and so on. And, and my youngest, she came home the other day. Uh, I just... Um, a month ago, I, uh, uh, what do you say? I was laid off work. And uh, 
which meant my financial situation changed drastically. And I always supported my kids financially on my own. And uh, my youngest, she's working. She's working a lot. So she earns maybe, I don't know, $1,200 a month. Uh, she goes last year at high school and then she's worked parallel to that. And and she has, sometimes she just stays with me, which is super nice. But she just stays. She never goes to her dad's. And this time, the first time in her 18-year-old life, I said to her, if you're going to stay here and live with me, you know, not going to your dad's, can you ask your father if he can transfer some money for food to me? This is like the first time that I that I say something like this because I've always felt that whatever I I just take it, you know, because I yeah I can't I can't afford it, so I don't want to argue, you know, and I don't want to put her in a situation. Uh, so, but this time I said, you yeah, can you ask Daddy if he can transfer some money to me? This the effect of that was that she came home a few days later, just went into her room, packed a big bag with a lot of stuff she normally doesn't take to her father when she's going there. And I said, what, what's happening? And she said, I'm moving to dad's now. And I'm, what? Yeah, because if you can't afford me, have, to have me, I, I, I'm moving to dad's. And I was like, I didn't say I couldn't afford to have you. I just said that if you're going to stay with me full time, it's reasonable that your father <laughs> pays some of your food. No, I'm moving to dad's full time instead. And she was super uh, upset and then she left. And I felt like, I felt so much pain. I felt so sad and I felt so misunderstood and I felt so... I felt so unjustly fair, you know, um, it didn't seem fair that if I said put the boundary, then I got it just smashed back in my face then. And I felt so, uh, it was really difficult. And this, I think, okay, now you practice letting go. This is what you're doing now. You are setting a boundary, she's reacting, she wants you to be her, you know, comfort, she wants you to be the safe, solid spot in her life, and now you're saying that things are changing here a bit, and and that's very uncomfortable, okay, can you be the better person here, please, 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 okay, she's too suffering through the corona crisis, her school, she's, it's closed down, you know, she has her issues, you just lost your job, she worries about you, and I just felt like, hey, Shape up your act, okay? This hurts like hell. It hurts so much. For those of you who haven't encountered it, when, when children say, Adios, mom, I don't want to be with you, you ain't seen nothing of parenthood yet. And I hope you won't see that day. But in my life, it happens. From time to time, it happens. And now I'm beginning to feel like, okay... Here we go again. What do you do? You just sit down in the boat. Don't rock the boat, okay? And then you go think, okay, what is the same thing to do now? So so I sent her a text and I asked, are you okay? Uh, are you worried about the situation? Do you need anything? How is it really? And, uh, and she just answered, I'm okay. And then a few days later, she came back. 
And that's how it is. And I'm thinking like, okay, if I can keep my calm, if I can keep my peace, I think the thing to let go of children, it's a lot of rejection, it's a lot of losing, it's a lot of fear. They say that uh, actually there are a few few moments in your life uh, that is a crisis in your adult life. And one is, of course, separation with your spouse or so. One is losing your job. Another one is retirement. And, and one big thing is that when your kids move out, you know, you lose a sense of purpose. You lose a, a, a meaning, you know, th- this being needed. There's nothing we moms love more than that when they need us, you know. We... we <sighs> that's our food you know that's our soul food our children need us and if they don't need us who are we and I think this is the interesting you know this is the opportunity this is when the kids move out it's celebration we have a life we have a new life there is something new starting Do you think that the birds, when the little birds jump out of the nest and fly away, do they sit in the nest crying, feeling like, oh, I lost so much, my kids, they're not coming back, and now they're flying, and they're flying to Sweden, or they're flying to Africa? Of course not. They keep, you know, they go do their thing, whatever that thing is. And I think that this, to let go of children, it's an opportunity to find ourselves if we're not found already. And I for sure can say that I was totally lost without my kids at the beginning. I was totally lost. Who who was I without my children? Being a mom for 32 years, that does a lot to you and your personality and your identity, who you think you are, and to let go of that. That is such a big layer and what's underneath. And I feel that to instead of fear, you know, of losing your children or letting go of your children or giving up children or them, giving up you, you know, on you, I think we should see that this is also this is also helpful. There's a new time coming and even if it's painful I have I would say my most painful moments are in separation and uh, many of them in separation with my children. And to cling, to hang on and to really be the one kind of begging or pleasing or changing or trying, you know. And um, I really feel that there is a point, there is a time for everything and the children are supposed to leave you, move out, do their thing. And the more healthy you are when that happens, the more life of your own you have when that happens the better and I know that family is not easy for everyone I know many don't have contact with parents and children and that there are many many things happening and 
even in that, even in that, there is possible growth happening to really go inside and see, okay, who am I? If I'm not mom of the universe, who am I? And uh, so I think that there is nothing to fear. And in pain and separation, there is always a lot to learn. And uh, I think we can practice letting go of our children. I think that's why we don't set boundaries, because we don't want to lose them. And we know what happens when we don't set boundaries. Um, you know, if I look at the, uh, the corona crisis back again, is, is that some countries now, they set so harsh boundaries, you know, total lockdown, police patrolling the streets, big fines if you're seen outside after uh, eight o'clock. And, uh, and then we have Sweden, freedom with responsibility. And I feel that we all wish we were the best, best, best parents. And I know we all, all love our children. I mean, I love my children so much. But after 32 years being a mom, I still am a bit clueless of who I am. And at times, I need to explore that. And I need to learn to grow in that also. And a part of that is actually uh, to separate a bit from my children and let go and find find myself. Because I think it's so easy to, to be to be that role and to make it your identity and to realize that we don't own each other we don't own our parents we don't own our children and in the best of worlds we could be super loving and caring and just enjoy each other's company as much as possible when we want it and have a mutual understanding and respect for each other and not all families have that and I think especially families that are like my family, you know, when you are born a bit traumatized and your own parents are a bit traumatized and the constellations are, you know, full of divorce and, and early deaths and so on, then I think it's more complicated. So we learn, you know, we grow, we fall, we separate, we come back together again and we always try to seek the love you know and the truth and if you if you become like me you you kind of panic like oh, wow now she's moving and I feel so sad and and then you just take a big big breath you know and then you you say to yourself even this is helpful don't forget even this pain I feel right now is helpful. And everything is not about me. Everything that happens is not about me. Things are happening on the other side. And sometimes we just have to sit down, not rock the boat, have patience. And go do something fun for us. You know, this is... This is my learning, my learning that whenever 
the pain of separation comes or the fear, then there is an opportunity to go do something good for me and find out what good, what is that? What do I need right now? And not fear letting go. People come, people go. It's always been like that. And nothing is for keeps. That's just how life is. We don't own each other. Okay. So, letting go of your children. This is my experience. It can be difficult. It can be easy. Depends on personalities, relationships, constellations, the past. Everything you have in your suitcase, you know. And... I think one important thing is to to not judge and blame. No one is guilty. Everyone is doing the best they can. I think that is very good to remember that no one is guilty and we do the best we can, both as parents and children. Okay... So that's it from Stockholm. I'm going to now put on the news and see what's what's new in Sweden and what's new in the world. And I hope wherever you are at, if you're at home or if you can still move and walk out in nature, if you can walk out in nature, I totally recommend it because it's very, very healing. And uh, if you want to send me an email please do that, shamaperson at gmail.com and you can always send me a direct message on Instagram. I love to hear your voice. And if you want to share something about letting go of your children or fear that you have in relationship to that, you can always send me a DM. Okay, I love you, I love you, I love you. Wherever you are, be safe. Bye. What? Did you hear that? I said bye. That's not okay. I must say puss. <laughs>